Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway, a United Methodist community in Portland, Maine. If you live locally, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Visit our website at www.hopegateway.com to learn more. But whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. Rise up. What do you think of when you hear that phrase? What, Laura? Stand up. Yeah. Stand up. What else do you think of? Get up. Power to the people. Power to the people. Yeah. Peace. Peace for everyone. What else do you think of when you hear the words rise up? The story of Lazarus. Yeah. Maybe the story um, that we told a few weeks ago. Resurrection. Jesus, who didn't just get out of the grave, but rose. I think maybe I'm also not the only one that when I hear the words rise up, like when Alan said, oh, I think we should call this series Rise Up, that it made me um, think of a rap or a song in my head um, from Hamilton, (laughs) Um, which just for those of, so I'm not going to rap. <laughs> or try to like sing in multiple voices at the same time. Though maybe, you know, if we all did it together, but we haven't practiced that. So um, we're going to listen to it in just one sec. But just so you know, this is from Hamilton, the musical, um, which is a Broadway show, like, break all the numbers hit. Um, and it is the story of... Alexander Hamilton, who is one of the founding fathers of the United States of America. And so in telling his story through this musical, the musical tells the story of the American Revolution and the beginning of the United States of America. Um, So I think that's all you need to know. Colonies were the what existed in this country before we were a nation. Tell your sister that she's got to rise up. 
Tell your brother that he's got to rise up. It's not other people who have to do that rising. It's not just over there, elsewhere. It's our work, right, to rise up. When are we going to rise up? So that's why I can't say rise up. I have to say rise up. So we, Hope Gateway, have to rise up. And particularly at this time, at this place, at this juncture, Hope Gateway needs to rise up. Because last week, you heard some fairly surprising news, I think. And that is that Alan is, has a new job. And he's going to be doing um, something new and wonderful for the world with a new organization, an old organization, the BTS Center. And that means that he's not going to be here um, as a pastor. But he's still going to be here as my husband. So. Pastor's spouse. <laughs> baking cookies. So, all this is to say, I know that this feels like a loss. And I'm not diminishing that at all. Um, but... There is always loss in change, right? You can't change without losing something. And really, I'm quite excited about what's next for Hope Gateway. Um, I'm not excited that Alan's not going to be a pastor here anymore. But I am excited about how this gives us an opportunity to grow and shape who we are into the future. And this... The ability to change our staffing structure really, I think, will enable that in ways that we have envisioned but haven't been enabled to do previously. So you might have noticed that we try a lot of new things around here, that we like to experiment or try things out. And you might have noticed that Alan and I have been bivocational, meaning we have other jobs, for a while. And you might have noticed that we have been trying to expand the voices in worship leadership, both in preaching and in all the other pieces of worship for a while. And you might have noticed that we have been trying to build up leadership teams to empower more people to do ministry. Or you may or may have not have noticed these things because some of them have been experiments that have gone fairly well, and some of them are still under development. But these are things that have been happening for a long time, or fairly long time. The truth is that Hope Gateway has aiming, been aiming to be a community that is different than most other churches for its entire existence. And we don't aim to be different just for the sake of being different. We aim to be different because we are a part of an irresistible revolution. And that irresistible revolution was framed for us by Shane Claiborne. And if you go to hopegateway.com on our website, this quote um, is right there on the front page. And it says, there is a, a movement bubbling up that goes beyond cynicism and celebrates a new way of living. A generation that stops complaining about the church it sees and becomes the church it dreams of. 
And this little revolution is irresistible. It is a contagious revolution that dances, laughs, and loves. So Alan and I and Rachel moved to Portland in July of 2006. Seven. Seven. <laughs> 2007. And in August of 2007, we bought this book, The Irresistible Revolution, which is what that quote comes from. And we read this book together as a community soon after that. All of the remnant congregation from Chestnut Street Church um, and Erica, who was not a remnant part of um, Chestnut, but um, Shirley was there, Sue and Don were there, Geraldine was there. Um, we all read this book, and this shaped who we have become, and it's still shaping who we become, because we are a part of an irresistible revolution. It has been our goal to actually become the church we've dreamed of. But the truth is we've become more than the church we've dreamed of. We are more than we ever imagined or dreamed. We are more diverse and more remarkable than we could have ever imagined or aimed to be. It just happened because we were open and willing to change. So I'd like to share with you a vision for moving from one reality to another reality that Paul writes to those in Corinth. And it starts out with a little bit of scolding, which I'm not going to read to you. But <clears throat> the truth is that Paul was like a father or a leader or a mentor, a person that this community looked up to as a founding person in their faith. And so he felt like it was his responsibility to say, hey, you're not getting it. This is what you should be doing and not that. And obviously they kept that letter and they listened because otherwise it wouldn't be in this book. So Paul um, has these words to say. And the other thing that you need to know is that Apollos was um, a colleague of Paul who was also influential in the life in Corinth um, and not a competitor, even though the Corinthians sort of made him into a competitor. So this is what um, Paul writes to those in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 6. And there's some really beautiful imagery here of planting and building. So get yourself in the spring mindset of planting. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. Because of this, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything. But the only one who is anything is God, who makes it grow. 
The one who plants and the one who waters work together. But each one receives their own reward for their labor. We are God's co-workers. You are God's field. God's building. I laid a foundation like a wise master builder, according to God's grace that was given to me. But someone else is building on top of it. Each person needs to pay attention to the way they build on it. No one can lay any other foundations beside the one, besides the one that is already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So whether someone builds on top of the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, grass, or hay, each one's work will be clearly shown. The day will make it clear. Because it will be revealed with fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. Paul reminds us that it's not about who taught you or who was important in your life when you decided to follow Jesus. It's Jesus who you're following. God brings the growth. Jesus Christ is the foundation. The other pieces and people that lead us on the way are temporary, even though they are important. In the end, we belong to God, and God is the one who is always with us. Things are going to change, whether we want them to or not, right? Whether we plan a change or whether it just happens upon us. Things change, but God stays the same. One of the things that I'm excited about change is that we, as Hope Gateway, can become less pastor-centered and more community dependent. We have envisioned being that church for a long time, but we started with two pastors. And we've had two pastors for 12 years. And even though Alan and I have tried to get other people to do things, we're here. And sometimes we find it easier to do them ourselves, which is not really a good thing for the sake of the community. Though Alan's really good at a lot of stuff. That needs to be said. Um, so is Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> this vision that we have for moving into the future is not a new vision, but it is a developing vision with details around it now at this point. Or it's becoming detailed, I should say. Um, so it's a movement from being um, a less pastor-centered to more shared ministry between a larger group of people. So I will remain your pastor, but I will also remain the executive director of Greater Portland Family Promise. So I will not be taking on all of Ellen's responsibilities. And that's good because I'm not that good at some of the things that he does. 
but we will be moving into an expanded and more invested model of ministry. And we are still working out exactly what that looks like and how those roles will be divided and how many staff we will be hiring and all of those things, but the vision really is that we will be hiring coordinators, people who can enable other people to do much of the work. So we have had a vision for a while of hiring someone to invest more with our kids and our families. Because we have a lot of kids who are connected to our community, but most of them don't show up at Hope Gateway Kids. And that's the main thing that we offer. So having someone who can invest in those relationships and with our volunteers and with people to work with Kira and the nursery and all of those things expands our ministry. We also have been working on involving more people in worship. And I've been trying to get some of you to do things in worship, but I don't got time to hound each one of you to do that. But if we hire somebody to hound you, then we're going to get more people. <laughs> and community is one of our core values, right? And we aim to be a community that cares for each other in times of need. And so our vision is not to hire a pastoral care staff member who goes to the hospitals to visit, but to hire someone who can do that, but also enable us to care for each other in organized ways that just mean, can you do this for this person when they need this thing? when you have a baby, when you're sick, when you have someone in your family who died, or all of the other times in life when we are in need. So those are just some of the things that we're imagining. And then there's more like administrative, programmatic things that are on the table as well. And those are important as well. But I just want to let you all know that there is a vision for moving forward from this place to something even better than what we've had. And Alan's not going away. So, and I think he's still gonna do the slides. Because <laughs> he doesn't like anybody else's. <laughs> or, anyway, he, I'm glad that he has gifts in that area. So, <clears throat> um, One of the people who was like Paul in my life died yesterday. And she was not just like that for me. She was like that for a whole community of people. She was a person who articulated faith in a way that people could grab a hold of when they thought that they could not. Rachel held Evans was a masterful theologian, an articulate teller of the way of Jesus, and a person of deep authenticity. And the fact that people of color and queer people are mourning her death in just as great numbers as white American Christian evangelicals says something about who she was. I have recommended her books to countless people, and they have been transformed in their faith by her words. 
I do not belong to Rachel Held Evans. I am not her person. I am Jesus' person, and so is she. So when Paul says, you are not Paul's or you are not Apollos's, we remember that we belong to God and that God holds us all. But these people who carry us forward are important. Rachel Held Evans a couple weeks ago was diagnosed with the flu and then with an infection and then had a reaction to an antibiotic and has been was in an induced medical coma for two weeks. And yesterday morning she died. After being anointed by Nadia Boltz Weber and a circle of friends that held her and her family in that time. And so I felt like it was important for her to speak today. And so I found a Um, Rachel has quite a few videos um, on the work of the people which we have a membership to and this one speaks on death and resurrection and change and hope and the role of the church and hope for a future in change. church is the same as it's always been. The role of the church is to preach death and resurrection, to teach that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. The role of the church is communion, opening the table, sharing the table, remembering Jesus. The role of the church is confession, telling each other the truth. It's baptism. It's anointing of the sick. It's all these things we've been doing for 2,000 years. It, it hasn't changed. Um, the role of the church is to introduce people to Jesus. What gives you hope that it'll still keep doing that? Death and, death and resurrection. I don't know what else. I mean, um, you know, Jesus said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I take him at his word on that. Um, you know, I think if the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, it's going to survive the information age. It's going to survive um, the loss of cultural Christianity in the U.S. It will survive all of these things. Uh, Chesterton put it, that the church has died and rose again a thousand times because it knows a savior who knows his way out of the grave. Uh, we know the church will survive because the church is about death and resurrection. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it may die, but Jesus will make something new of it. So I, I don't worry about the future of the church. I think I used to. I used to worry that if we didn't get our act together, um, my generation would abandon ship and, and would leave. But for some reason, I've stuck around. Um, and I think if we keep, just, you know, practicing the sacraments and if we keep preaching the good news that Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again, then it'll survive. Or at least be reborn. <laughs> A few times over. Oh, 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 oh,
there is no need to fear because we are people of the resurrection. And we follow Jesus who knows his way out of the grave. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. And in the meantime, we, the church, will rise up. We will rise up at Hope Gateway. We will become something new because that is the irresistible revolution. Because it is a contagious revolution that dances, laughs, and loves. And all we have to do is rise up, rise up, rise up. Amen.